0: I realize that there's sometimes I that I cook and I clean or I fuck my husband from a place of performance, kind of like, well, look at me, look at me, love me, please love me because I'm so amazing rather than doing it because I genuinely just want to do it.
1: less performance, and more presence. That's pretty much what Elena Rossi, who is the creator of the Yoni Empire, and I are talking about. This is a big conversation, and as per the last couple episodes, I'm splitting this one up in in two. And today we're exploring what does it mean to be authentically you in relationships? In life, in love, in early stage dating. And why is that so scary? This idea that you are not for everyone. So don't dilute yourself to make yourself more palatable. We use the uh, Hawaiian pizza analogy. We use some other analogies. We also model very well how to make behavior modification requests in your relationship, how to distinguish If the work that needs to be done is self-work or is that something that you bring to your partner? And the beauty of breakups and the three options you have when someone will not meet your needs. I am absolutely pumped for this conversation with the Yoni Empire. My name is Sean Galanos and this is The Love Drive. Will you please introduce yourself?
0: Oh man, really? Fuck, I've never done that.
1: Well, this is your opportunity.
0: What do I say?
1: (laughs) Whatever makes sense. Whatever feels right.
0: Can I just say, hi guys, this is Elena from the Yoni Empire.
1: Yeah, you could say whatever you want.
0: Okay, cool. I'm not very good at like selling myself or being like, I'm an orgasm coach. (laughs) Are you? Yeah.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, how's your heart today?
0: very good actually very um calm yeah
1: what is contributing to that calmness you think?
0: Um, I've been going through some really beautiful things in my relationship over the last four weeks that it's been quite interesting because it seems like All of my friends are falling apart during Quarry, and my partner and I have just grown so much deeper together, and I'm feeling more and more at ease within the relationship and within myself. Plus, I'm binging on every single John Wellwood book, which is all about the heart.
1: Oh, good. I'm not familiar with that author.
0: Oh, yeah, you should have this guy on your podcast.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I get this question a lot. People want to know how to deepen their intimacy, especially their emotional intimacy with their partner. I never really know what to say.
0: Mm, What a good question.
1: Yeah, can you shed some light on that?
0: Mm. I would say you got to deepen the intimacy with yourself first. Because I think we're always chasing the outside, you know, we're making our partners responsible for the intimacy in the relationship. And ultimately, it's something that you feel within yourself. So deepen it with yourself first. Yeah. And it depends on what you mean by intimacy. Does that mean trust or feeling at ease, feeling at peace, accepting who you are? You got to do that first to yourself.
1: I think that's in- interesting to ask, you know, when you say intimacy, what do you mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I just did this workshop on healthy communication and sometimes people's needs come out. Like, hey, I need you to make more of an effort. Okay, well, your definition of effort is different than mine. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite questions when I'm coaching people is, you know, they'll say something along those lines and they'll go, when you say effort, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't think we ask that enough.
0: No, we just assume, right? We filter the information people say, we see it through our own eyes, and then we give them an advice or something. <laughs> And they say, you know, all advice is autobiographical anyways. If I'm giving you advice, it's based on something that I have experienced in my life or the way that I see life. And therefore, whatever I tell you to do or how to be or what to look at is really um, comes from my own experience, my own collection of experiences.
1: Which is why when I coach, I'd never give advice. Yeah. I don't know if people understand that. Um, Maybe they think that my coaching is more like my 15-second free love advice on Instagram. And it's not at all.
0: Well, that's what people, I think they always, even when they message you, or when they have a phone call with you, you know, they're sitting there and they're waiting for you to tell them what to do. And I often see it's very frustrating for some people when you don't tell them what to do, but you rather start digging deeper and they get frustrated because it's like, just tell me, you know, give me the homework, give me one, two, three, four, five steps. It's very interesting to see that. Because I used to be like that.
1: <laughs> as a client,
0: as yeah, as as working with my own therapist, for example.
1: Yeah, my therapist never tells me what to do.
0: Have you ever asked them? Because I used to ask all the time. You know, well, what would you do, or how would you react, or what do you think I should do, or how should I feel in this moment? And that's the funny one. You know, you ask like, how should I feel in this moment?
1: <laughs> I get that question a lot on on uh, Instagram on Free Love Advice. Uh, people will say, my partner does this, and I don't even know how to feel about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, what is the accepted way that you should be feeling?
1: Yeah, what's the appropriate <laughs> feeling here? Help me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I go, I have no idea. I mean, what what does it bring up in you? What comes up when you think of that behavior when that behavior happens? It doesn't matter what other people think you should feel what do you feel
0: yeah i think that's probably my um my ultimate definition of intimacy is probably allowing each other to feel what you need to feel
1: and being present for that and holding space for it
0: Mm. by the way in my culture we constantly interrupt each other it's a sign that we are fully engaged with you so if i do interrupt and it bothers you um I'm sorry, it's not meant to be disrespectful. <laughs> it's the opposite.
1: That's like that weird apology where you're like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry if I do that thing, but I'm just going to do it anyways. It's not personal. Yeah.
0: No, I'm I'm fully aware of the fact that I do it. I try and hold myself because um, I've realized, you know, having lived all over the world, that some cultures are very much engaged that way and others get triggered.
1: Well, I will never interrupt you because that's not how I record my podcast. I can't stand those podcasts where people are just talking over each other.
0: Really? That's my favorite. Oh my
1: God. I can't listen to something like that.
0: Really? I'm so like I'm so in it. I'm heated. I'm in the discussion. Like I'm like feeling the vibes back and forth. I love it. I'm like an Italian.
1: Okay, so this isn't the podcast where we're gonna talk over each other.
0: I will do my best, but please don't take it personally.
1: You can. It just, it's like hard to listen to. For you. <laughs> yeah, for me. That's true. Not for me. So what are we
0: exploring today? What is
1: most dear to your heart right now in this moment?
0: Honestly, sports.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs>
0: yeah. And staying fit and in shape and not feeling like a slob during quarantine.
1: Oh, taking care of yourself.
0: Yeah, self care. hashtag Self care.
1: Yeah, how are you doing that?
0: Uh, my boyfriend is a CrossFit junkie, so I have. I'm basically dating my sports coach, so that has kept me accountable. Uh, if it wasn't for him, um, I'd probably go crazy by now. So thank you to the boyfriend.
1: <laughs> is he ripped?
0: Um. Yeah, I would say he is. If you ask him, he'll say not enough. Of it's course, never enough. Of course. <laughs> but he's way healthier than me as well, mm. which is weird. It's the first relationship where I feel like I'm the one who's just snacking and eating too much chocolate.
1: Yeah, it's hard to binge on chocolate, really. Like the dark stuff. Is it? Yeah, I feel like to me, there's a limit to how much dark chocolate I can have, but milk milk chocolate I can destroy.
0: We were um, we were talking with him the other day, and we have this Dutch chocolate company. Mm. And during quarry time, they started pumping out all these new insane flavors, like honeycomb, thyme, and rose pepper, and lavender, coconut. Mm. And so I got a few at the store. They were, you know, at that place where it's like sale. And I got a few, and one of them was white chocolate. And he was like, oh my God, I hate white chocolate. This is so gross. I can't eat that stuff. And I was like, really? It's my favorite. I really like white chocolate. And I was thinking, damn, it's kind of like in dating. Like you could be white chocolate, and there's a bunch of people that really don't like you, but it doesn't kill the fact that you're fucking delicious.
1: Mm, It's like Hawaiian pizza.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With ranch. Oh, the best. The best. Thank you, America. <laughs> for for
1: some people, right? Yeah. But for others, it makes them gag. Just the idea of it.
0: Yeah. Maybe we should talk about that.
1: Well, that's where we're going. <laughs> There's this idea that, especially in dating, that people make themselves more palatable for a wider audience. Yeah thus diluting their true essence of who they really are.
0: Oh my God, I can't wait for your podcast with Ken Page on this.
1: Yeah, deeper dating.
0: Fuck yeah.
1: Uh, so you and your partner were both reading this book when you met?
0: hmm Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, and yes, I mean, the world is kind of a crazy place, and there's a lot of coincidence out there, but it makes for a good meet-cute.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we met on social media. We met through a dating app, but we were both reading the book at the same time in our lives. Which app? Uh, happen. I don't know if that's a Dutch one or, you know, happen.
1: No, I don't know about happen.
0: It's um, it's a very cool one because it basically connects you uh, when you are within a vicinity of this person or whatever. People like if I go to the museum, then it gives me the access to all the people who have this app who were at the museum at the same time as me within the same room or a few rooms around me. Ooh, that's cool. And so um, I like that a lot more than Tinder because then it connects you with people who are quite like-minded. So for example, I don't really go to bars and so I don't get the options of all the kind of drunk guys on a Friday night. But if I go to a museum or I hang out in bookstores or I go to the gym then these are the people that show up as options on the app. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Where were you two in the same place?
0: At the museum.
1: Oh, wow.
0: We were on dates with other people. Ooh. And uh, the dates were not going very well. They were first dates. And the Happen app apped us together, connected us, and that's how we met.
1: Wow. I wonder if the app knew that the other first dates weren't any good.
0: That would be kind of cool, right?
1: Can you tell me a little bit more about this deeper dating concept? I mean, obviously, we're going to have Ken Page on the podcast, but for now, since he's not here.
0: Uh, this concept really changed my life, personally. I, I remember that the first time I heard about Ken Page uh, was on the Susanna Frioni podcast. And just listening to him was so soothing. So I think you'll experience that when you talk once you talk to him. And... You know, a lot of the dating books or dating coaches, um, they talk about kind of, like you said earlier, you know, upping your game or making yourself more palatable for everyone and faking being confident and cool and exciting and outgoing, which in many ways takes you further away from who you really are. Yeah. And in the end, you end up attracting the wrong people. Sure, And the concept of deeper dating by Ken Page was really the other way around. It was working and dating from within. So, really being your true self and attracting people who like you for that so that you don't have to continue faking in relationships. Hmm.
1: It's such a huge game changer to be able to just be yourself. Yeah. And not worry about how the other person is going to perceive it. Yeah. I feel that deeply in my relationship right now. Like, I can say and do anything. <laughs> And nothing shocks her. Yeah. As long as I'm genuine. And it helps to be nice, of course. But Mm -hmm. I can share my thoughts. I don't have to, there's no filter. There's a respect filter. And there's a filter of like, is this appropriate to share now with this person in this context? Of course. But just personality-wise, I can be myself. And it's incredibly freeing.
0: Yeah. You're no longer performing.
1: Yeah, it's not a performance.
0: This has been always my experience that I've always played the role of a girlfriend rather than was a girlfriend, you know, and I grew up in Soviet Russia where I was from an early age trained to be just the best wife, you know, like you clean and you cook and you fuck your husband and you do all these wonderful, wonderful things, but often it's not real, you know, and I realized that there's sometimes I, that I cook and I clean Or have fucked my husband from a place of performance, kind of like, well, look at me, look at me, love me, please love me, because I'm so amazing, rather than doing it because I genuinely just want to do it. Because I want to fuck my husband, because I want to make love with him, because I want to cook and love him through my cooking. Um, So for me, personally, in my life, this has been a huge game changer. But the beginning of it has to start with you choosing the right person who loves you for you and not for this performance piece of you
1: i hear often people asking you know what does it mean to really be myself Mm -hmm. and i'm not really sure i know how to answer that
0: me neither
1: (laughs) i mean we're talking about this right how to be authentically you yeah and what does that mean
0: for you you know i think i think we all do know we're just terrified of being ourselves because we're scared of the reaction that it's going to evoke in people right i remember years ago i was talking to my therapist and i was saying how um at the time i was coming to terms with the fact that i am quite introverted and I'm very shy in social situations and i said i'm having a really hard time going out and you know doing small chat like i hate small talk um, and if i ever go to a big dinner party i usually find one person that I want to talk to. I can't be that kind of social butterfly that effortlessly goes from one group to the other and is the center of attention. I cannot tell a joke to save my life, especially if I have, you know, 10 pairs of eyes looking at me. And I remember she looked at me and she said, well, what's wrong with being mysteriously shy? What's wrong with being more reserved? And I thought, man, indeed, (laughs) Why am I going You know, and trying to be someone that I'm not? I'm denying who I am. Yeah. And that gave me the courage to almost practice being myself, which sounds kind of silly, right? But I've been doing that and my whole life changed. Mm-hmm. That in every social situation, I think, well, what do I really feel? And what do I really want to do now? If I weren't to impress anyone or win anyone's approval or validation, how would I act right now? What would I do? Mm. And I think through that process, I personally have gotten closer to who I really am and what I like, and what I want.
1: Yeah. I, I remember this guy saying, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, brilliant. I, and I was
1: like, what? And it's true. I mean, you know, of course, we're not talking about like abusing people. And being violent and aggressive, but what they think of you doesn't really shouldn't have any bearing on how you behave, as long as you're behaving in like you know a spectrum of uh, respect.
0: Yeah,
1: it feels silly to have to say that, but I think I think it's important.
0: You will suck yourself dry by trying to please everybody.
1: Oh, it's also it's like that the pizza that has the pineapple, the ham, the pepperoni, the ranch, (laughs) the cinnamon. Why is there cinnamon on this pizza? The, you know, uh, weird pepperoncinis, all the olives. And you're just like, okay, well, you've made this pizza for everybody and now it's for nobody because no one wants Mm -hmm. this. This like smorgasbord that you've put together thinking that this is what other people want.
0: And sometimes less is more.
1: (laughs) I think often less is more unless more is more in which case Mm -hmm. (laughs) put more on there this to me sounds like something that is really hard for some people to believe especially if they haven't had the kind of love that they want
0: yeah or if they are a pizza with cinnamon
1: that's right there's going to be fewer people that like that stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's okay I had a client call yesterday, and oh wait, hold on, just lost my thought completely. Uh, shit! Wow, that ne- this has never happened. Hmm. Well, first time for everything. <laughs> Less is more, I guess. <laughs> wow, that's wild. It was right there, and now it's gone.
0: We talked about how you have less options if you are... Oh, yeah,
1: that's right. Okay, so this woman has standards. She has high standards and she has a list. And, you know, we kind of broke the list down a little bit to to see, you know, what's in there and to make some small tweaks to that list. Um, But, you know, she thought that having high standards was inappropriate. And Mm -hmm. my feeling about high standards is that it's totally fine to have high standards. Just know that there are less people that are going to be able to meet those standards. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That less people will be able to live up to that. And that's totally fine. If that's what you want and you're willing to wait for it, knowing that the pool of people is much smaller, then okay, wait for it. It's totally worth waiting for. I, I waited for a long time and now pretty much have everything I want.
0: But I think often the confusion is having high standards versus having high expectations on people or unrealistic expectations. Yeah, I
1: think that that's a very important distinction. It's okay to say, this is what I'm looking for. These are the standards in which I live by and which I would ex- I would expect. See, It's hard when you... that I want others in my life to also live by. And they can be a little different, but this is the level in which I want to operate at. And some people are going to be able to meet that there's just less of them Mm. where do the expectations come in
0: well i'm just thinking that um you know whenever i talk to women this is a very common um, confusion between standards and expectations that often i see people having really unrealistic expectations and then they suffer in their relationships or they suffer during dating by expecting things that might not ever be met, or things that are not real, or things that they maybe saw in Hollywood movies. Oh. Things like, oh, he should just romance me every Saturday night with flowers and candles and movie nights and gift me, you know, a new creative gift for every month of our anniversary. Oof. And he should never be late. <laughs>
1: You got to go by the standard, right? First anniversary is a paper gift. And then the second one is like a wood gift. And then the third one is like a copper gift. There are, you know, there are rules to this kind of stuff.
0: Is that like for years or months? <laughs>
1: for years. <laughs> oh,
0: thank God. I don't celebrate holidays or anniversaries <laughs> for those reasons.
1: <laughs> my girlfriend forgot my birthday and, uh, it's, it was so not a big deal because I don't have the expectation that everyone's going to remember my birthday, even my partner. Also, it helps that birthdays aren't really that important to me. Me
0: too. When is your birthday?
1: September 12th.
0: You are Virgo?
1: Yeah. Capricorn rising with a Cancer moon. I know some of my listeners were just dying to know that.
0: <laughs> you don't care at all.
1: <laughs> that's not true. I, I had a reading a couple of days ago. Here's something that's really interesting my partner and I are diametrically opposed, completely, like completely. We've got nothing in sim- like in similar in our charts. I'm on one side; she's on the other. She's all fire, Scorpio, um, Aries, and I forget what the all of her other stuff is. She's got no Earth. I've got no fire.
0: Can you tell me something about Virgo men because I'm dating one and I know nothing about Virgos.
1: Um, very analytical can be seen as critical often of themselves but sometimes of others Mm -hmm. Um, tend to have a perfectionist streak Uh, organized humble very humble and (laughs) this is so weird the astrologer was like you'll never he's like i've never met a fat virgo
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that could not be more true with my partner (laughs) What are some of your pet peeves? Like what pisses you off as a Virgo in other people? You know, like what triggers you?
1: Um, well, like waffly and uh, vague communication. Uh-huh. When people say we should get together sometime. I hate that. I can't stand yeah. that. It's like, what? just like ask me or don't, don't make me ask you. If you want to do something, ask me to do something. And then I'll say yes or no. But we should, like, I think this is a thing in dating. Like, yeah, we should really grab some drinks sometime. Like, okay, how vague is that? Can you just like be clear about what you want? Do you want to have drinks with me?
0: I think they're scared that it's kind of like this little easy way to check in. Like, well, I'm going to let this person know I want it, but it's okay if they don't. So I'm playing it safe. You know, we should get drinks sometimes. Yeah.
1: It's a hedge. That's a pet peeve of mine. Uh-huh. Vague communication. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't really... Jeez, it's hard to come up with pet peeves right now on the spot. What are some of yours?
0: As a Capricorn... Ooh, um,
1: I love Capricorns, by the way.
0: I love Capricorns, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot. All, most of my ex-girlfriends were Capricorns.
0: I love Capricorns. I wish I could date myself, honestly. Um, I think as a very organized on-time hard-working person i get triggered by partners who are the opposite who are being lazy lying on the couch all day like i cannot i cannot be around you if you're like that like there is a time limit to how many you know episodes we're going to watch and then it's time to slay and my boyfriend always makes fun of me because actually the uh, my morning wake up alarm because you know how an iPhone you can add um the words like what this alarm is for and my morning alarm is time to slay that's what it says wow (laughs) like wake up and slay
1: (laughs) mine is like wake up and slog (laughs) what's a slog slog is just like you're slogging through it you're just like getting getting through it which is that's just how i am i'm just sort of you know i've got work to do and i'm gonna do it and sometimes it's gonna suck and but it's got to get done (laughs) <laughs> that that's actually the Capricorn mantra. It's got to get done.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: let's just do it.
0: Yeah. Let's keep climbing those mountains.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like having a partner who's like completely different than me. One of the the issues that was identified, which we've kind of sidestepped is can you, which I think is very important in dating and goes back to our conversation about expectations. Can you accept your person as being completely different than you? and having different motivations and different things that fire them up and different ways of doing things. And to me, accepting my partner for who she is and and all relationships, my friendships, my parents, my business partnerships, accept them completely for who they are and that their actions are not a reflection on me. They're not doing anything to me or even because of me. They are just Hopefully, acting in a way that is authentic to them, and can I accept that that maybe somebody's going to do something that's not how I would do it at all, and can I refrain from saying, "Wow, well that's not how I would do it"? To me, that feels like a relationship killer, and it's so much more beautiful to just accept the other person, as long as you're not accepting hurtful behavior. And just because you accept the person doesn't mean that you can, that you can't every now and then make requests for behavior modifications Mm -hmm. especially if that behavior affects you negatively um i think people are really scared of doing that they're really scared of saying like hey when you did this i felt this Mm
0: -hmm. so where do you draw that line between is it me or is it them where is that line between i accept you for who you are but god damn it can you start you know being cleaner or drink less or um I don't know, I'm trying to think of some pet peeves that people might have. You know, like, where where is that boundary between acceptance and also feeling like maybe your partner is stepping out of line?
1: I think it's always appropriate to have a conversation about how their behavior affects you. And I can just stop at that. You know, when you do this, this is how I feel. And the story I'm telling myself is this. When you cut me off while I'm talking, I... Uh, I feel sad and and sort of unseen. And it reminds me a lot of how uh, my mom used to talk to me when I was younger. And I felt then that there wasn't any room for what I had to say. And I know that's not your intention. And I know that this is definitely a personal story. And I also want to share with you how it feels. I think that's appropriate. And they can adjust to it or they can say, yeah, I totally see how it would feel that way. And you know, I come from a culture where, like, we just kind of talk over each other sometimes. And if this is really important to you, I'll do my best. Just know that it's still going to happen every now and then. And if it continues to bother you, please let me know.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, baby, I'm Italian. That's all we all we do is talk over each other, and I don't see that changing. And it's not because
0: place of love. It comes well,
1: yeah. (laughs) it's just how we are and i'm not willing to address that which is also a totally valid response and then you can say uh, you have three options you can accept it you can be creative or continue to make requests or you can leave basically you could do what, what you need to do to take care of yourself
0: And it's a tough dance to have, you know?
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. This is really hard to do. (laughs) Ultimately, I can't say whether it's the thing that you need to work on yourself or it's the thing that you need to bring up to your partner. But I will always err on the side of communicate what's going on. Even if you don't have an action item, even if it's just to say, I just want to let you know how this feels. I don't even have a request for you. You don't even have to change it. I just want you to know. I often have conversations with that. Uh. Like that with my girlfriend. When you do this, I feel this. And I actually don't even know if there's a request there. I just wanted to share it with you. And she goes, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Now I know more about how my behavior affects you.
0: Yeah. And often you see people, you know, they genuinely want to change their behavior. But it is maybe a very big part of themselves or they change it. They give in all this effort and it's not noticed or it's not appreciated. Or the partner continues to kind of share with them how their behavior is bothering them when they're saying, God damn it, like I'm, I'm doing my best. You know, I'm already, you know, doing it half the time or I'm doing more of something. And that's the hard dance of having because both partners feel like one partner feels like, well, I'm being authentic and I'm sharing. And the other partner feels like, well, I'm doing my best to change this behavior and it's still not enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Which kind of brings us to this importance of recognizing when your partner is doing something different that pleases you. Uh, It's like dog training, you know, positive reinforcement. When -hmm. when you make the request, whether it's direct request or an indirect request, and you see your partner doing the thing, you praise Mm -hmm. them, pour it on. Oh my God, you're doing the thing that I asked you to do and it feels so good to me. I don't think you understand the importance of it. Let me explain to you. This feels good. Mm. This feels like home. This feels safe. I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel loved.
0: Do you believe that if we work hard enough that we could be in a relationship with anyone? No. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, why, why would you want, why would you want to first <laughs> of
0: all, Cuz I feel like a lot of the the sales points and you know the wellness or the coaching or the kind of self-development industry are trying to sell you on this idea that if you work really really hard on yourself or if you work really hard on your relationship it will blossom and be amazing and I don't know my my viewpoint has always been that sometimes the work that you do will bring you to a breakup and that is a great thing
1: of course I love breakups they're my favorite thing (laughs) Very unpopular opinion. I love breakups.
0: Thank you. I, I fully agree. I'm so happy that you do that you feel the same way.
1: Yeah, they they create space and they liberate and they make you feel in ways that you probably haven't felt in a long time. You can't not feel when you're in a breakup and it, and it hurts. And that's just an opportunity to get to know yourself, to feel what's going on.
0: Yeah, a lot of people I think are afraid to break up because it means that they have failed somehow, especially you know having invested the money and the energy and the time and therapy or workshops or books or coaches, my last relationship actually ended because I did all the work and I realized we are not compatible, that it doesn't matter how much I love this person, how much this person loves me, we're just not compatible and we never will be. And to me, that felt like new space, it felt like new breath and that felt very healing. Because for many years before that, I was holding on to this relationship and feeling, well, what do I have to change in myself? What do I have to do in order for this to work?
1: Yeah, you can be madly in love with someone and know that they are not right for you.
0: Yeah. And you can love someone deeply and still not be their partner.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to note that, you know, when we are making these behavior modifications to please our partners uh well first of all do it when they do it if they ask you to do it don't do it without them asking because then you're just trying to like shift and mold to get what you want which is sort of manipulative but if there's a behavior modification request you know like let's say for example not cutting me off when i'm talking about something important what's important to note is that do the request do the modification if it feels right to you and this goes back to authenticity if it doesn't don't do it and be honest about it it's inauthentic for me to do that and this is this is hard because some people will say well that's just who i am deal with it yeah. and that's okay it's totally fine if that's the response then you can deal with it by leaving the relationship or by accepting accepting the behavior or by being creative. Those are your three options.
0: I'm now sitting here feeling a little bit tense because I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, well, when when is the right time? Like, Do I count the seconds? Is he going to say something else? <laughs> I don't want to hurt his feelings. It's not my
1: intention. I have a lot of generosity for my podcast guests. And I'm just using this example. It's not. I don't feel personally... Attack. yeah i don't i don't think that it's like i like i take very few things personally because what other people think of me is none of my business
0: yeah before agreements you've probably read that book
1: i haven't it seems what i know it's something i hear about it it's very i feel like i probably already do it without having read the book yeah. can you what are they
0: oh gosh um don't take anything personally um always do your best Straight, Stay too, true to your words. So whatever you say, make sure that you mean it. And I don't remember the other one.
1: Yeah, those are good. Uh, you know, and also doing your best. Uh, sometimes your best is pretty crappy. <laughs> I think that's really important to remember that people are generally, for the most part, doing their best, even if it doesn't seem like they are. Like for them right then, that's it. And maybe they've made a decision to do just that whatever it is, you know, and it might not feel like their best because you've seen them do better. You know, I know you can do better. Okay. Well, you know, in that moment they can't or else they probably would have.
0: You know, I see this coming a lot from American culture, this whole idea of just the bare minimum and you are perfect the way that you are, but I always want to say you are perfect the way that you are. But you're also a work in progress, like a masterpiece in progress. And like there's memes now on Instagram going around and they're like, you don't have to do anything. We're in a pandemic. It's okay to eat a whole pizza. It's okay to binge on ice cream. It's okay to watch Netflix all day long. You're in a pandemic. It's totally fine to do nothing. And I completely disagree on that meme. <laughs> and I'm um, hello, Capricorn woman here. no. <laughs> It doesn't work for me. I, I just feel like you're wasting your life this way. I mean, yeah. Do we all um, benefit from um, just chilling the fuck out once in a while? Of course. But I don't like this as an approach to life.
1: The uh, author of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, Rui Suzuki. I, one of his quotes is, "You are perfect just the way you are, and you could use some improvement." Yeah. And I like that better than. Get up off your ass and stop eating pizza and <laughs> do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, I, I want to give people a lot of leeway. Yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. And yeah, you're a work in progress for sure. You've got shit to work on. We all do. And rest is important sometimes. And, you know, I, I do want to highlight that we are sort of in an unprecedented situation and people are feeling a lot of grief. And this pandemic is affecting people financially. And in other ways, emotionally, that we've never had to deal with. And sometimes the, your coping mechanism is pizza and Netflix, and that's okay. And, and to do that until it stops working, just like any coping behavior. We're going to do it until it stops working. And then we're going to be so fucking sick and tired of doing the same goddamn thing that we're going to do something different. And just like me, I hadn't worked out in like a month. And now I got a 25-pound water jug. I've got a 35-pound cinder block. And I'm doing, you know, water jug swings. I'm doing goblet squats and I'm doing push ups and water jug presses and pull ups. And, you know, I feel better because not doing anything stopped working. I was feeling worse. So I did something, it changed. And now I'll do this until I don't do it, until I have a bad, you know, couple of days, which happens. Last weekend was really rough for me. Um, so I I have a lot of compassion for people and their coping mechanisms. I'm also a recovering addict. So, you know, for 10 years, I used drugs and alcohol to change the way I felt. And for me, drugs and alcohol was like a way to deal with life and my feelings, because that was too complicated and I didn't know how to do it because I was never shown how. And so I used, you know, drugs and alcohol to mask that and to deal with that pain of being a human. So sometimes people need a pizza and some Netflix and because it's painful to be a human. And and yeah, some of it is okay. Like you said.
0: Again, we get to that point. It's like, where do you draw the line between pampering and of course, nurturing yourself and taking it easy on yourself versus wasting away and self-sabotaging yourself? You know, for example, if now during the pandemic, you're just You know, I live in Amsterdam, so it's just so easy to just smoke your problems away and get stoned every night. Where is that line? And I would hope that people are not out there smoking themselves stupidly to hit rock bottom to wake up.
1: Well, and, you know, sometimes you need to hit rock bottom to wake up. I did. No amount of motivational podcast was going to get me out of stopping that until I, until I hit my rock bottom. And that's the thing. It's very personal for people. Sometimes you're in a relationship and you have to let it get bad enough until you can snap out of this thing, this routine that you found yourself in, where you've given yourself up to this relationship and you've molded yourself to the other person's desires without speaking up for yourself.
0: Do you think rock bottoms is the only thing that works? Mm, I
1: don't know. No, I think you can probably slow the, slow the descent. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I used to say, you know, the elevator to rock bottom goes all the way to death. You choose when you step off the elevator. That's mm-hmm. so a conscious decision.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, like, some rock bottoms are very much irreversible.
1: Huh? Yep. Yeah, you choose when you get off. It's the, definitely a conscious decision. uh, There becomes a point where you say, okay, enough of this, enough of the pizza, enough of the binge watching TV all day, enough of the vaping, enough of the smoking, enough of uh, the emotional abuse, the uh, emotionally unavailable partner, enough of getting dumped on and shit on, enough. Mm I'm worth more than this. All right, lovebirds. Thank you for spending this time with Elena and myself talking about how to be authentically you. Um, as always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can do so by going to as always, if you need to get a hold of me, send me an email, Sean at thelovedrive.com. And if you really value this work, this podcast means a lot to you. And you wanna show your support, the best way to do that is to become a monthly contributor to this podcast. You can do that by going to thelovedrive.com forward slash join and make a small but meaningful contribution to my work. That will also give you access to the private Lovebird Club, which is a Facebook group with people like you, who value trust, love, and intimacy, and who support my work. I hope you'll join us. And for everybody, have a beautiful week.